0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound Radio MMA podcast. Yeah, it's been so many years saying MMA radio show, but this is a podcast. I I don't know. I inherited the name. Don't blame me. Should be a relatively straightforward show this evening. Uh, I don't anticipate too much, but uh, on the docket for this evening, we have a review of UFC on ESPN plus seven from Saturday morning. The UFC was back in Russia. This was their first visit to the city of St. Petersburg, a beautiful city. By all accounts, I've never been there. But, and the and I said, I think the first time I really looked at that card, that it wasn't great on paper, but it was positioned to overperform. And I think it did overperform relative to expectations. So we'll go through the action from that, such as it was. The UFC is back on ESPN proper. This Saturday for UFC on ESPN3, Jacare versus Hermanson. Oh no, are they on ESPN for the... Okay, this might have changed. I I apologize. Apparently, this is... The main card for this is on ESPN+, Plus. so I am going to have to change a few things there. I'm mistaken. That was... I thought that was going to be on ESPN proper, and parts of it will be, but... The majority of this is on ESPN. The main card is on ESPN+. So we'll go over that. It's it's a surprisingly solid card. I mean, you got a great main event. You have a couple of fights with high violence potential. Uh, I'm largely okay with this card, so we'll go over that. And not a whole lot of news this week. Uh, Darren Till got himself arrested. BJ Penn continues to have legal trouble. And the UFC announced a few more dates and venues in the future uh, for this for this year. They're kind of sporadic. They announced one for August, one for September, and one for November. So a lot of space in between these. But uh, so for the re- I will touch a little bit on that. And uh, I think that'll be it. So we shouldn't be here forever, at least talking about this stuff. Uh, back with me this week after you know, a couple of weeks off due to schedule conflicts. But Jeff Harris is back with us. Everybody, so I'm sure everyone's happy about this. Jeff, happy to have you back. Glad you're here. How you doing?
1: Robert Winfrey, 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show. Come to us in your darkness, for the night is dark and full of terrors. I'm Jeffrey Harris.
0: I always preferred the night. Not a day guy. Certainly not a morning person. Which made the early morning coverage for UFC on ESPN Plus 7 a bit annoying, but... Uh, Let's jump into the main event there. I
1: have a question. Sure. Am I a bad person that I was not impressed with Israel Adesanya last
0: Uh, week? You're not a bad person for it.
1: I mean, I know I predicted Kelvin Gastelum, but Adesanya did give up two rounds in that fight. Come on.
0: I mean, Gastelum won two rounds of that fight. I don't think that's the same thing.
1: I'm just saying I saw tons of flaws in Adesanya's game in that fight. For a guy who had all that size and reach advantage in the fight, he had a lot of trouble establishing his size and reach advantage.
0: I think a lot of that was down to Kelvin being incredibly well-prepared for that more than anything else.
1: Right. Adesanya looked... he I mean, for the first round and a half, he looked to be in a lot of trouble.
0: Uh, he also... If you don't present him with a very obvious opening, he doesn't mind taking that first round, and I have to get a read on you. I mean, I mean Anderson Silva did much the same thing. John Jones does kind of the same thing. It's you know, truly—I mean, even if we go outside of MMA, um, you know, maybe the best boxer in the world right now, Vasily think, Lomachenko, I does kind of the really same happened.
1: thing. It rarely happened at Anderson Silva. Now, Anderson spent plenty—unless you
0: gave him a very obvious opening, he would frequently take three to five minutes to just get a read on you.
1: Maybe. I mean—
0: I mean, again, if if you're Forrest (laughs) Griffin and you do the, you know, charge forward with my chin open thing, then sure, but—
1: But, like, the Dan Henderson fight. Like, it didn't seem like Dan was really dominating him in that first round.
0: No, not dominating, but he won. He won that round. Yeah,
1: but I mean Kelvin Kelvin hurt Adesanya, clearly. Like he tagged him more than once. Yeah, he landed round. a good he landed a good couple of punches
0: in that first round.
1: I'm just saying against a healthy Robert Whitaker, I'm picking Robert Whitaker in that fight.
0: I mean, I said, I was on that was my stance before this fight, and it remains my stance now, but there's still
1: in. In that fight, it was really the fifth round that won Audisanya the fight, and it was a good performance in the fifth round. I don't know, but I, I'm not, I'm not quite on the hype train. With, I'm still not on on the hype train like you are. That's fine. I, I mean, don't think it was a star making performance.
0: Uh, I suppose that depends on how on what you consider star making.
1: Well, I mean, certainly, like the way he pushed forward and... End, he got all those knockdowns. But I mean, how about the chin on Gastelum? In that
0: oh, yeah. Ga- well,
1: I, th- I think
0: both guys' stock rose, all things considered. Well, I mean, Gastelum, you, you you are entirely correct. Gastelum's chin is otherworldly.
1: I I think maybe he's not. Like, I think Gastelum's good. I'm just not sure he's championship level. I think he's, like, maybe top five level. I just don't think he's capable of Gutting through it and winning the title.
0: Uh, Some of that would, I mean, some of that kind of depends. I mean, that the performance he turned in in that fight would have beaten the vast majority of middleweights, and you know, I mean, an Adesanya would have finished the vast majority of middleweights, especially in that fifth. I mean, both guys just showed tremendous heart.
1: I think it would have he give like Jacare Yoel Romero a tough fight, but does he beat uh, Bobby Knuckles? Not so sure. I don't.
0: I don't know. It's it's tough because I mean we've seen Whitaker be resilient, but Gastelum has a couple of things that very particularly mean he can always win a fight.
1: I still consider Bobby Knuckles the ace of this division. You know, unless his health just continues failing.
0: No, I agree. Again, I fit, I would have favored Robert Whitaker against either of them before this, before that fight. I continue to give him a slight edge against both of them after it. It's now that said, would I be surprised if either of them were to beat him? No. They're, we're talking about you know, demonstrably elite MMA. You shouldn't be surprised when anybody what did beats anybody. You
1: score the fifth round in Gastelum Adesanya. Hmm. What did you score the fifth round? Ten eight Adesanya. Okay. I think that's fair. So not 10-7? No. Okay. If If Gasol Gasol had enough offense in the fifth round for it to be 10-8.
0: Yeah. It takes something pretty spectacular for me to consider. When I consider awarding a 10-7, that usually means there's either a point deduction and then a 10-8, or the ref just flat out should have stopped the fight and didn't. And I don't think either Uh, of those circumstances. Poirier
1: versus Holloway was a good fight. Yeah. Good on Poirier. Grant versus Joe Bam was abysmal. Joe Bam has no one to blame but himself for that loss. Throwing a temper tantrum like a ten-year-old child is embarrassing.
0: I mean, on the one hand, I get it. You you get half as much money. But on the other hand, like, he was complaining, like, I want to talk to the judges. Buddy, you didn't give them anything to – I don't think the judges
1: were wrong. Well, he didn't, I don't... He didn't do any – I mean, I... well, well, one judge was – because, look, we had a 30-27 one way, and two others had 20-29-28. That's a little lame, don't you think? I think you,
0: could, I think you could legitimately score 30-27 for either guy. And I think in that case,
1: was... whatever. I think my problem was nothing happened in that fight until like the last 30 seconds or so. And I don't know what, like, Joe, Joe Bam was not the one moving forward and really engaging the fight. And he wasn't really, the fight was awful. It was not, no, it was uh, not a very good thank fight. Goodness, thank goodness for the last two fights. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm ready to talk about uh, ESPN Plus 7 or however we're...
0: Plus seven, fight night 149. I mean, use whatever nomenclature you want to use. So. All right, your main event. Uh, Alistair Overeem defeated Alexi Olenek via TKO, via knees and punches, 445 of the first round. Uh, you know, I was this was an odd fight, but it was oddly entertaining. I mean, Olenek... Pulling guard the first time they clinch up because that's what he does. Uh, Then not being able to maintain it. And then after that, he went full on. I mean, I I want to. It was awkward in a lot of respects, but I almost want to. But I have to applaud elements of just, you know what? I'm going forward and this guy's going to hit me. He's going to knee me and I'm going to gut through it as long as I can. Uh, He threw a lot of body shots. He kept a just ridiculous pace for heavyweights. Uh, Credit to Overeem, who got tagged a couple of times, but defended himself appropriately, and seemed to remember that he's one of, like, three heavyweights with a genuine game from the clinch. And he landed some really solid knees to the body and head, one of them just finally dropped a linic, and that was it. I mean, nothing great, nothing world-shattering here, but... A solid enough fight. After the fight, Overeem said he'd be open to them rebooking the Alexander Volkov fight, which, if you'll remember, was supposed to be the main event here. I'm still interested in that fight, so if you can make that happen, go for it. I mean, Overeem's still a little bit out of the title picture, but the title picture at heavyweight right now is very, very weird.
1: Olenek is not like... I would consider an elite class world beater, but at least going into this fight, he was coming off two back-to-back submission wins, one over Mark Hunt. Submitted Travis Brown uh, for whatever that's worth in 2017. I mean, it's worth his paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess he had a decent record going into this. I mean, I mean
0: these two combined for a ridiculously high number of just fights in general i, I saw somebody on somebody on twitter mentioned that you know alexio linick has the mma record of a professional boxer from the early 90s you just fight every opportunity you just take a fight at every available
1: opportunity he has close to he yeah, 70 fights now
0: yeah these these two guys have like 100 and, almost 200 fights between them
1: you don't see different. that. You don't see that a lot today in high-level MMA. But granted, Olenek has only been in the UFC since eh, 2000, a little under five years.
0: Uh, Olenek spent a lot of time not fighting elite-level opposition, I, and I say that not to be dismissive of his accomplishments, but just as an as a fact of he spent a lot of time on the regional scene across various places. And while that's still to be commended for going out there and winning in those circumstances, because this is MMA and people lose those, kind of, those kinds of fights, he's not been you know, competing against a consistent level of, say, top 20 heavyweights in the
1: world. Now, heavyweight's a bit weird because now we have Kane came back and lost and Ganu's surging again.
0: Well, Ngannou and Dos Santos are scheduled Dos Santos to fight. Is,
1: and Yeah, they're fighting, and Stipe is basically the de facto backup for Brock Lesnar if that fight doesn't come together.
0: We don't know what's up with Brock, also. Yeah, there's, there's depend- a lot of murkiness. Yeah. It, it is. It's a really odd division. So I liked Overeem being open to them rebooking him and Volkov, which I still think is a good fight. Uh, you know what I would like? I don't think these two have fought yet. But for Olenek next, um, has he fought Derek Lewis? He has not. I would like to see that fight just because they're basically the same. Let me let me preface everything I'm about to say with this. But uh, you know, Derek Lewis is, you know, swinging and banging on the feet. Alexio Olenek is kind of the Derek Lewis of the grappling department. <laughs> And it's not to say that neither of them have skills in other areas. Neither of them is a one-trick pony, necessarily. But we all know, they both know where their bread is buttered. And seeing the two very, very opposite kind of you know, skill sets like that and two guys who lean so heavily on it would... Bete- I, I think that it would be an
1: interesting fight. That it fight might, could work. I mean, it might suck horribly, but... Overeem versus Lewis could work, too. I don't think they fought, have they? I do Believe they have not. That could be a decent fight. Um, it just depends what they want to do with Lewis next. I like the Volkov matchup if that's the way they go. Uh, Overeem seems to be okay. I mean, Volkov is still technically ranked above him, so that works. I guess that works for him. Yeah. So there's a few. There's a few matchups you could do. Um, and the other issue is Kane. Do you think Kane ever fights again?
0: I don't know at this point. I mean, I know he's doing some of the stuff with uh AAA, the professional wrestling promotion in Mexico. Um like is
1: he wait, is he actually going to wrestle or what is he doing? I'm not
0: sure. Uh, I saw the press release he announced some kind of association with them. I don't know if he's just training down there or if it's just uh What does that mean? Some kind of I don't know.
1: I I saw the uh, announcement so This is going to appear This is from Pro Wrestling Heat. He'll appear at Triple Mania. What's the extent of that?
0: I I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. I think he's kind of dipping his toe in the professional wrestling world and seeing how things potentially... I just I don't mean,
1: see him getting far in professional wrestling. But I could I be don't wrong. see him getting far. I don't see him getting far in
0: WWE. But he might be just fine in you know, in a very in a more lucha heavy style like A.
1: But he's not like a, a he doesn't. I mean, he's an MMA fighter. Yes. Collegiate wrestler. Mm-hmm. I just don't see him. I don't see it translating. I mean, it translated for Brock. Translated well, for Dan, Dan Severn. Se- but Brock was a big, heavy, power dude. Yeah, and Brock. I mean, again, and Dan like, Severn's I- wrestling career was nothing to write home about. I'm sorry. All right. It depends on... I, I I don't know. I just don't see it with Kane, but we'll see.
0: I mean, weirder people have taken off if you just find the right connection with the King audience. King Mo
1: didn't, King Mo didn't, Rampage didn't, and they seem to have personalities that were tailor-made for pro wrestling.
0: I don't think either of them wanted to be in a non-competitive arena. Hmm. I think they both... When they kind of got into that atmosphere, just realized that you know what I I, I mean, okay. R- hey, Rampage wanted to be fat.
1: Well, when, <laughs> look, when we knew when when Rousey signed with WWE, we knew she was going to be wrestling for WWE. We don't know what Kane's doing, so yeah. that troubles me.
0: I mean, again, we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if he fights again, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he gets some better offer. I mean, the man's. Older, and he has a lot of wear and tear on his body, and he just um, got
1: you
0: know, pretty violently knocked out.
1: Uh, maybe Olenek. Maybe he can fight Marcin Ty- Tybura or Taituivasa. Ty Justin yeah, that Wallace. Could work. Any one of those guys, I think, would be a decent matchup.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. There's a. I mean, I think you're right. Olenek at this point is just kind of a higher level gatekeeper, but you need guys like that around, and that's. Considering I mean, that's not the worst position to occupy. Considering
1: heavyweight. True. At least this one ended in the first round.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was grateful for that. Um, all right. In your fight of the night, Islam Makachev defeated Armin Saruki in via unanimous decision. 30-27 twice, 129-28. All uh, i Sarukian came to fight, man. I, I'm i pretty high on Makachev, generally speaking. I mean, there's still some things he has to iron out and whatnot, but I'm, I'm a fairly significant appreciator of his skill
1: set. And They seem to be bringing Makachev along slowly, too. Uh, Yeah, they're not rushing him, the, that's for sure. They, I mean, he's definitely a prospect, but they basically gave him a tomato can to fight in Russia.
0: Yeah, well that was the thought process. And again, Saruki and absolutely came to fight these, if you like wrestling. And I mean, when I say that, I don't mean just takedowns. I mean, the actual act of wrestling of not conceding a position of, you know, hitting switches of looking for scrambles and reversals and sweeps. These two had a fabulous kind of wrestling match with punches. Uh, Makachev is now five in a row, I think.
1: Yep. And in, uh six and six in- one. Yep, you're correct.
0: Overall, in the UFC, and Habib was there to watch him. He and Habib are teammates, right? Uh, and, and not just teammates. Like I, uh, I feel I, I think Makachev is like one of the guys that his father basically that you know uh, basically was raised with them because maybe they'll fight the each
1: other someday. It's not out of the question. I mean, if Makachev remains consistent. And once he starts getting the higher level opposition, continues looking this good. We'll see.
0: Uh, he said he wants to fight someone in the top 15. I'm, I agree with him. I think I, I,
1: I mean, it's
0: lightweight. You get to five in a row, you should be fighting someone in that, of that caliber.
1: I agree. Uh, so let's see.
0: I mean, lightweight is... Mm-hmm.
1: Oliveira, maybe? Uh, okay. Charles yeah. or Cowboy. Charles Oliveira.
0: They scheduled Charles Oliveira for a third fight with um, uh, Nick Lentz. Well,
1: maybe the winner of that fight would be a good idea.
0: Yeah, I, you could do the winner of that. Uh, James Vick is hanging out in there somewhere.
1: Gregor, uh, I don't know. Uh, Gregor or Gillespie, probably not yet. Alexander Hernandez, maybe. You could do
0: Hernandez.
1: Or- Hernandez or Vick. Yeah. No, I,
0: I, I agree, I wouldn't go with Gillespie just yet.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, there but... are, there are guys, yeah, there is some very interesting fights going forward for Makachev, um, he looks, he, I mean, he looks dangerous, I'm not gonna anoint him as the next Habib or anything, but he's cut from a similar cloth, you know?
0: Yeah, he very clearly is, and, yeah, i I forget which fight of his it was that kind of made me a believer in his abilities. It, it wasn't the T-Bow fight, because I, I remember picking him to win that fight. You know, it might have been the Lens fight.
1: I think it was the—oh, le- uh, for me, it was T-Bow. Because yeah, I know for a lot of people, that
0: quick knockout of T-Bow, and that was a pretty bad knockout. Uh, I think—again, I think for me it was the Lens fight, the way he just kind of consistently out-scrambled and out-grappled— just because in that fight,
1: you know, T-Bow was never like an elite world beater, but he was one of the more battle-tested veterans. Uh, he, he was the kind
0: of spe- be- he was the kind of speed bump that turned back a lot of opposition. Right, right. You know. Uh, all right. You know what? I don't think there's anything else on this card worth going I into agree. too much detail over. So you're right. I'll give you i I'll give you a I'll, I'll give you your quick hits after this. Um, Sergei Pavlovich defeated Marcelo Golem via knockout in the first round. At least it ended quickly. Um, I don't know how to feel about Pavlovich. I watched him steamroll a bunch of guys uh, in like M1. Then and in fairness, his UFC debut was against Overeem and that was just a bit much. But even here, I mean, it's heavyweight, so who knows? But there's some pretty serious refinements that need to be made to his game. Roxanne Montefiore defeated Antonina Shevchenko via split decision. There were two 29-28s for her, one 29-28 for Shevchenko. I think 29-28 for either woman is justified. Uh, I think you could score it that way. Uh, Not a bad little fight, but... uh, Hopefully Antonina learns that... uh, God. I do have something very briefly to say about this. At distance, Antonina was doing very well. She was chewing up Roxanne Montefiore... Modaferi at distance has never been all that great. But Roxanne Modaferi has a really good ability to, if she can find a an area of the game where she has an advantage, at kind of forcing that. And in this instance, a lot of her success came when she not only had the clinch, but very specifically had Shevchenko's back on the cage. And Shevchenko was not at all diligent enough or urgent enough about reversing that position because... I mean, Antonina can fight in the clinch. She tears people up from there, and she did a pretty serious number on Roxy's midsection with knees at various points, but just positionally, she was never quite as diligent as she needed to be about, okay, my back's on the cage. This is the one area of this fight so far that my opponent's having a lot of success. I really need to not be here anymore, and and I don't know if that was just a technical uh failing on her end where she knew she needed to, but just couldn't. Or if it was a mentality thing where it's like, okay, I don't mind being in the clinch because I can fight here. And Roxanne was just able to constantly force takedowns and, you know, again, enough to win on points. So hopefully she learns from it. Uh, again, not a bad fight. Christoph Yatko defeated Alan Emadowski via unanimous decision, 30-25, 30-26, and 30-26. Uh, this was a total blowout. I think I was 3025 for Yatko. And Madofsky just was not ready for that level of opposition. Uh Mosar I heard them pronounce this. I'm gonna get it right. Uh Evloev. Yeah, I heard it I heard it pronounced. I knew how to do it, and I forgot. My apologies. But uh if have defeated Seung Wu Choi, the unanimous decision Two twenty-nine twenty-sevens, 29, 129, 26, if uh, you'll have got a point deduction in the first round for an illegal knee and guys uh, look, it, I know commentary can barely keep these things straight for some reason. Uh, this bugged me more than anything. The ru- know which rule set that the fights are taking place under, especially if you're on commentary and you have to communicate this to the audience. And know the and you know know the differences, because as soon as this knee landed, John Gooden, who did a solid job all night, but he re- repeated the line from the older rule set, which is anything other than the soles of your feet on the ground means you're down. We were under the new rules last night, which means. You need either both palms or fists flat on the mat to be considered downed, or, of course, a knee or kind of on your seat. There was a knee down when Evloev landed this illegal knee, led to the point deduction. I was fine with it. I, frankly, would be more in favor of point deductions for all illegal blows, all things considered, but... uh, Elove usually fights at bantamweight apparently this was not his only fight at featherweight but that he again, he's normally down at 135 and he looked a little outsized some of that's because Choi's a very big man uh, especially for featherweight so I'd be curious to see Elove at bantamweight but uh, he's a little bit of a he's a little buzzsaw so I'm curious to see what he does going forward Sultan Aliyev defeated Kiyota Nakamura of a unanimous decision, 30-27 across the boards, and then retired from MMA. Uh, Aliyev's never been a world-beater or anything, and if he's done, then, you know, he's 34, man. And 34 at welterweights on the older side of things. So he got to have a win in his home country, because I believe he's Russian. Yeah, he's Russian. So, you know, good for him if he wants to kind of just be done and move on from the sport. He had some decent fights in the UFC, so
1: yeah,
0: getting good on him. Alexander Yakovlev defeated Alex de Silva with a... I don't know what this was. I don't know if it was an Anaconda neck crank. I don't know if it was an Anaconda choke. I It wasn't a straight Anaconda choke. I don't know if it was a front choke with the arm in. I don't know if it was just a really, really cinched up front headlock from a wrestling perspective. I I, I just don't know what this was. <laughs> it bothers me because I've, I've seen a few different kind of angles on it. I've seen a few other things that people are likening it to. And it is kind of just a, a, a traditional wrestling front headlock that he just cinched up and then angled a little bit differently to actually put his opponent into a submission position. Uh. Decent enough performance from Yakovlev, but I don't know. He's, I know he's a little bit on the weaker side at welterweight right now. And if he wanted to make that move, he'd need to bulk up. But he seems, he seems like whatever cut he does to get to 155 is not especially healthy. Uh, Shamil Abdurahimov defeated Marcin Tabora via TKO in the second round. Uh, You know, Abdurahimov, again, not really, uh, you know, Top five guy in the world, but he's only lost twice in the UFC, and he's he's a solid, you know, a solid enough kind of gatekeeper. Uh Michael Oleksezjuk defeated Gadzamura Antigula via knockout in the first round, 44 seconds into the first round. Guys, this is how you counter punch against raw aggression. Uh just some really nice shot selection from Oleksejuk, some really nice footwork. Whenever Antigulov would try to bull rush on a straight line, watch his feet if you rewatch this fight. And it's a short one, so you should. He's never directly in front of him. He always takes an angle and then lands a counterpunch. So really nice stuff from Oluksajic, who's undefeated in the UFC. I know, he ha- I know the win over Khalil Roundtree got turned into a no contest, but he's knocked out both of his last opponents and might be someone to pay attention to at light heavyweight, given that light heavyweight needs all the help it can get. And kicking everything off, Magomed Mustafaev returned from a two-year-plus layoff to land a spinning back kick to the face of Rafael Fiziev and then finish him on the ground. Um, I was a little surprised this was the curtain jerker, considering I uh, Mustafaev's a pretty legitimate prospect. I mean, Mustafaev's only loss in the UFC is to Kevin Lee, and he's 15-2 and overall. He's, he's a pretty solid guy. But... Uh, that was where my takeaways. For the record, your official fight of the night was Makachev versus Saruki, and then your performances of the night went to Pavlovich and Mustafaev. So for whatever value you wish to assign those as a fan, I mean, again, the fighters, it's $50,000, so I know, a, I know what value they assigned to it. Uh, Jeff, any other? So what were your burning desires? Anything stick out to you from this event?
1: Valar Margulis. All men must die. Indeed. I have a question, though. Sure. Go for it. Does losing to Roxanne Modafferi mean you are not UFC caliber? No. You sure? I'm pretty sure about that. Um, Come on.
0: Don't get me wrong. Roxanne's got a really
1: weird record. Really weird is like the understatement of the century. There's a, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that she
0: fought a lot when women didn't really have the same weight classes that were per- that were assigned like she right they refer to her as a pioneer of women's mma for a reason she fought when it was women at hey you get you get to weigh in at 133 and a half or you know it's whatever weight you showed up at and women's fighting was not taken and treated seriously no
1: in three minute rounds right yeah but, she fought but in three, still. three minute round fights I also. I mean, think, uh, I'm not also,
0: sure. I mean, she's also improved her skill set over the last couple of years. Like, okay, there, there was enough. a there was a period of time when I think that might have been a fair assessment. Okay, uh, like if you look at her, like her run up to the her first run in the UFC, I think, because she had because she was on the she was on a previous I season of The feel, Ultimate Fighter. I
1: just feel her. Getting a paycheck is almost sort of like a sentimental deal at this point. Uh, I mean, you're not entirely wrong necessarily, but I mean, I and, and she is. And look, I have no problem with that because she's a very nice person. She has been a good ambassador to the sport, and I don't know when. I'm just not sure she's a UFC caliber fighter.
0: I mean, again, if you look at, I mean, especially her big, like, losing streak that went on, if you look at some of the people she was fighting, and if you look at her skill set at the time, and I mean, if you go earlier into her career, she was fighting at like 147, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which is not at all her optimal weight. And again, she's had, so again, she's had a very weird career in some respects, but. I think after she got, because she was in a previous season of The Ultimate Fighter, she went to Invict after that and she had a really solid run
1: actually but, through that time. And then time Antonina, and she, like her whole thing, her whole career is going to be that she's Valentina's sister, just like at, Sergio.
0: At the moment, if, if she doesn't change a few things, then yes.
1: And, and look, Sergio's a veteran and he's picked up a few UFC wins, but, you know, that can be it can be to his detriment that, you know, your brother's a UFC champion.
0: Yeah, again, I, I think Sergio again does kind of benefit from the familial relationship. And again, I'm curious to see what Antonina does, because if she wants to be something other than Valentina's sister, then yeah, she is going to have to differentiate herself in some pretty real ways.
1: Those are my only burning desires.
0: All right, moving on to Saturday. The UFC is on. Oh, I, yeah, this is just oddly kind of phrased and located as far as them where as far as the platform. At the moment, I'm just going to call it UFC on ESPN plus eight because that the main card is currently listed as being on ESPN. But they're
1: showing, but they're showing prelims on ESPN two and ESPN. Yes. How did they? How did they work that out?
0: ESPN wanted the fights there.
1: I mean, yeah, it's their airtime, I guess.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, if they're doing that, they better not preempt them for some, you know, nonsense.
0: Uh, it depends on what else is.
1: A lot of the other major
0: events, a lot of the other major sporting events at the moment are kind of between.
1: Yeah, we're not dealing. I with I mean, college... it's MLB season right now. We're well underway.
0: Yeah, but that's not the same as. At... They're, they are contractually not allowed to preempt college basketball, especially depending on the team that's involved.
1: Mm.
0: because Contracts you
1: know, are made to be broken, Robert.
0: Not if you don't want to get sued into the ground. <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't know for sure, but again, it's listed right now as being on ESPN+. Plus.
1: Tell that to DirecTV after they leak the Season 8 of Game of Thrones.
0: And I think HBO and the Game of Thrones showrunners should sue them into the ground.
1: Well, that hasn't <laughs> happened yet. That could be a developing situation. We'll the see. Same.
0: If, if, there's not, if you can't come to some kind of agreement, then yeah, I would absolutely, if I was in their position,
1: yeah,
0: there, would be some, there would be some lawsuits fall, uh, coming their way for breach of contract.
1: Uh, I mean, it's not a terrible card, a good main event. Yeah, the main event's gone through
0: a few different changes because uh, it, it, it began life as Paulo Costa versus Yoel Romero, which is a solid fight. Uh, you know, it's two upper-level middleweights. You got a guy who, it, it, if it were not for Robert Whittaker, I think would be champion in Yoel Romero, well, champion in some of his weight issues. Well, Sorry, Whittaker and some of his weight issues. You've got Costa as the young up-and-coming guy that everyone, that you know, looks pretty good, especially as a young up-and-coming Brazilian guy who could kind of reinvigorate that market. And don't get me wrong, Costa has plenty of issues and habits in his game that I'm happy to discuss, but if we're just talking about you know, positioning.
1: Romero now, had pneumonia. Yeah, it started with Costa. Costa pulled out first. They
0: right. So they made the rematch between Jacare and Romero. Those two fought. A few years ago, Romero won a split decision, and right. not the most entertaining fight in the world, but I enjoyed it.
1: Well, there was uh, at least there was unresolved issues there, and it was a split decision,
0: so you can th- there's some cause for that. And then, yes, and I was excited for that rematch. You have, those are two of the say three or five best, yeah, they're two of the top five middleweights in the world, from where I sit.
1: Costa's this surging up and coming prospect I and, and, think he's been needing a step up in competition like this honestly
0: yeah Costa had been and then sorry, then we wind up with jacare and uh, and Romero and then Romero gets pretty ill uh, which sucks and that was relatively recently that was just a couple of weeks ago that he had to pull out of that fight, and that leaves us with now Ronaldo Jacare Sosa taking on. In fairness to his opposition, the very, the definitely surging Jack Hermanson. Uh, Jack Hermanson is, has a really solid UFC record. He's what, six and two?
1: Six and two. Finished He's- his last three fights, including submitting David Branch, uh, Talos Latis, and Gerald Mir, uh, excuse me, knocked out Talos Latis, uh, submitted uh, Gerald uh, Mearshart. Only losses are to uh Cesar fajeda and Tiago Santos who's fighting John Jones uh coming up this summer for the light heavyweight title. So, solid record all things.
0: Yeah, he has a really solid resume and I mean and he's, he's gotten took,
1: better. He's
0: yeah, definitely been improving and he took no damage in that uh David Branch win. And he's stepping up to fight Jocaray and you know, uh, much as the circumstances surrounding this fight are, are less than ideal, I'm okay with this fight. I mean, Jockeray's on a bit of a research... I mean, Jacare, it's so weird because he's been around forever. His age is listed as 39, and in fe- I do think he might be a little bit older than that. He's, you know, a- an absolutely superb fighter who, for various reasons, some of which were a key loss here or there, and some of which were the politics of fighting or an injury at the wrong time has never fought for the UFC title, which is ai maintain that's a crying shame as when Bisping won the belt, my immediate thought was, okay, Jacare the number one contender. They're going to make that fight and Jacare going to beat him because Jacare a better fighter. And then it just never materialized because reasons in the interim, Jacare got knocked out by Whitaker <laughs> Who would go on to actually, you know, become the best middleweight in the world? And at the moment, he's he's coming off that win over Weidman, which was a good fight and a really good win. Uh, but he hasn't won back-to-back fights in the UFC since 2017. And again, at his age, if he's and not just his age, but his miles, this is a guy with 30 some odd professional fights, and multiple years of jiu-jitsu competition at the highest level if he's going to make a run he's got to you know get going and he's taking on a you know a dangerous guy jack hermanson's an odd fighter jack ha- he's got a very awkward rhythm to him he bounces a lot he's got very good throws from the clinch especially if he gets a body lock on you He's got some pretty serious ground and pound, and he's got a really interesting—his uh, style of passing, I don't know—I don't know enough to know this particulars of the differences between, like, like why his passing style—and I think Gunnar Nelson has kind of the same thing in terms of his just style of passing. That just looks and feels a little bit different from a lot of the more kind of the straight-up-and-down traditional guard passers. Even some of the really great ones. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, look at Gunnar Nelson's guard passing, and then look at um, like Rafael dos Anjos's guard passing, and they don't look the same. And I don't know enough about you know what the difference is, but Jack Hermanson has some of that same kind of Gunnar Nelson style of guard pass, and it lets him move into mound into very dominant positions very quickly. I don't know the degree to which he's going to want to spend a lot of time grappling with Jacare because Jacare's grappling is still kind of his bread and butter. But it does present some interesting challenges, especially if Jacare gets on bottom to kind of deal with the passing that Hermanson presents. Uh, on the feet, again, Jacare is a bit more traditional and Hermanson's a bit more awkward. And those, those are usually clashes that kind of come down to who understands what they're doing better. You get a really solid traditionalist against a less solid unorthodox kind of guy then the one who's more fundamentally solid wins. By contrast, if you have someone who can't really think outside the box or adjust to kind of the unexpected, then the guy, you know, then some of the more awkward fighters can find some success against them. I'm leaning towards right here just because it, takes a pretty significant set of circumstances for me to pick against Jacare. And I don't think Hermanson presents them, but I wouldn't sleep on Hermanson either. Again, he presents some interesting problems for Jacare, depending on the distance that the fight is contested at. Again, especially if they get into prolonged clinch exchanges, I think if Jock, I think if Hermanson gets a, gets one of those body lock takedowns into a dominant position like side control, Uh Jacare might find himself in awkward spots that Hermanson can take advantage of. So Hermanson has paths to victory, but I, again, I just, I don't pick against Jacare all that often and I don't see a compelling reason to pick against him here. And I kind of need that at this point. Uh Jeff, you are uh, a more vocal supporter of Jacare even than I am, so is he going to pull this one out here and then continue to get snubbed for a title shot or is, uh,
1: I think he will continually get snubbed for a title shot. Cause it is Jacare we're talking about. I think he wins this fight. I think this is a tough and dangerous fight for him. I think it's a good way to kind of gauge where Jack, uh, Hermanson is right now and see how good he can really be. Um, it's a decent step up in competition, but, it is a very very dangerous fight, but it's also one Jacare needs to win so he can pick up another win and hopefully stay in the title conversation. It's a very risky fight. Um, I don't really love it, but as a main event, considering we lost Costa versus Romero, and that was a much more relevant, sensical main event. I guess this is... As good as we can get right now, so we'll see. But I'm going with Jacare by submission. Um, Hermanson does seem to have a good, well-rounded skill set, but I think history has proven that Jacare's skills are on another level. Even as he's kind of entering this more advanced age, he's very da- he's very dangerous, standing and on the ground, and I kind of never feel like he's gotten the due he was deserved in the UFC. I feel like he had earned his title shot really before when Luke Rock. I think he should have gotten the nod over Luke Rockhold, and that was how many years ago? Uh, A few. So that was back in, I think, 2015. When when did Rockhold win the belt? It was late 2015, right? I think so. Yeah, so I think that... That's when he should have gotten this title shot, but whatever. Here we are, picking Jacare. All
0: right, your co-main event, and this fight is only in the co-main event because of ESPN. I would bet money on this. That, that the executives at ESPN want one of the principals in this next fight to be featured prominently, and that's why he's in this spot, but Greg Hardy... This, uh, I mean, mean, look, I don't think Greg Hardy is the worst fighter on the UFC roster, but he's probably close. And he's coming off of that, uh, that you know, disqualification loss in his UFC debut when, like so many other fighters, and bear in mind, this criticism is not limited to him. But there's a lot of fighters who are used to just hitting their opponent with one punch, and their opponent goes away. And then the first time they come against someone who, oh, I hit you, and okay, you come, all right, good shot, but I'm still here, and we're going to keep fighting. You just—they just They just don't know what to do. I, I think Greg Hardy had a lot of that in his last fight. Uh, but he is here in the co-main event, and he is fighting Dmitry Smoliakov. The UFC is going out of their way to give this guy winnable fights. Smolikov is 1-2 in the UFC, with losses to Luis Enrique and Cyril Asker. I'm not trying to throw Cyril Asker under the bus here. But really, if you're losing to this guy at heavyweight, he only has two wins at heavyweight in the UFC. Uh, that is Dmitry Smoliakov and Hyong ju Hu, who should not be in the UFC. I mean, they're giving him about as another another soft touch and I'm, watch Greg Hardy go to another DQ because instead of an illegal knee this time, it'll be just a straight-up, you know, nut shot. And Smolikov won't be able when to continue. he's
1: going to win this fight, Robert.
0: I mean, I don't think it's entirely possible that he does. Isn't his nickname the lifeguard? If
1: Greg Purse is going to strike again. Greg Hardy... <laughs> UFC champion is not going to be a thing, Robert. It's not going to happen.
0: Smolikov's nickname is the lifeguard. I can't believe I remembered that. (laughs) Well, he's going to be starting
1: the life force of MMA from Greg Hardy next weekend. How do you like that?
0: Oh, no, I'm sorry. Smolikov has never won in the UFC. My apologies. He went 0-2 and and was cut. Uh, He's coming back to the UFC for this fight. Oh okay. god! Could you be more transparent in your matchmaking, UFC? Please. Ah, uh, I. Yeah. I, I, still
1: I has, he still has a lot more fights than he does. Greg Hardy, and he's still going to win. So it's really irrelevant at this point. Uh,
0: he's going to get his first win. I again, I'm predicting Greg Hardy tries an inside leg kick, kicks him in the balls, and Smoljakov can't continue. So we get another. DQ slash no contest on the career of Greg Hardy. Just because I'm not sure Smoliakoff is good enough to actually win the fight on his own merits, but Greg Hardy is definitely bad enough to lose it. Uh, your next fight down is a good fight for those of us who like violence, and I do. Uh, but Alex Cowboy Oliveira, a relatively dirty fighter. Um, coming off of that loss to Gunnar Nelson... Uh, he is fighting Mike Platinum Perry, who is coming off of a loss to Donald Cerrone. I mean, Perry's only 1-3 in, in his last four. And that win was a split decision over Paul Felder, who's a lightweight, not a welterweight, at this moment in time. Uh, these, these two are going to beat the crap out of each other. Uh, these are two guys who like to get after it. They've both got power. Uh, if Olivera is smart. He works for the grap. He works for some takedowns because Perry on the ground is iffy. But I expect knees. I expect elbows. I expect leather and blood and guts and one of these two gentlemen unconscious at the end of it. Uh, you know what? I'm going to pick Perry. Um, I don't know, man. Something about the way Oliveira just kind of cheated repeatedly against Nelson didn't sit right with me. So I'm going with Perry here, but I expect these I expect these two to get after it. This this could very easily be your fight of the night. So Jeff, again, we have the cowboy and we have platinum. Is, is Mike Perry gonna go 0-2 against people nicknamed Cowboy here?
1: Yeah. I like Perry and I want him to win, but he does not have a very high fight IQ, Robert. And His poor ground skills have bit him in the rear in the past. And I think Oliveira probably edges him out here and is going to get a submission. All
0: right. We have doing it for the old. We have a couple of the old man club. And I mean that with all due respect. But we have Jacare Souza. We also have Glover Teixeira, who is himself 39 years old and out there doing it for the old men. Uh, he tapped Carl Robertson. He got kind of lit up in that fight a little bit before he got the takedown. He is fighting Iwan Kutelaba, who is coming off of that win over Antigulov. He had a fight scheduled between now and then. Yeah, oh, it was Teixeira, actually. They rescheduled this bout. They were supposed to fight in January. Okay. Um, I mean, Teixeira is the more skilled fighter, all things considered, but... Kutalaba packs both power and the requisite insanity. <laughs> he's, he's one of those scarier guys. Like, he turns on the crazy eyes when he looks at you. And you know what? That guy... That's the kind of guy that'll kill you in a back alley. <laughs> uh, I'm still leaning towards Teixeira, but... Uh, Teixeira's been hit. He's been finished. And if he's not you're kind of mindful of a few of his entries, then I think Kutalaba can definitely catch him, so... But yeah, I'm going with Glover. All things considered, Jeff, what do you got here? Is uh, what is Kutilaba's nickname? Is, he, is the Hulk of some variety? Uh, just the Hulk, okay.
1: I like Glover Teixeira here, even though he is kind of getting up there. Kutilaba, I mean, he's okay, but he's not done anything yet that makes me feel. He's able to win this type of fight against this type of opponent. I feel like for Kutalaba, he doesn't have anything Teixeira hasn't seen before. And he's not the level of opposition that's able to beat Glover Teixeira. But we, I could be wrong. We'll see. But I'm picking Teixeira.
0: Okay, next up. I'm really looking forward to this fight, actually. This was scheduled previously, and then it fell apart after some kind of issue with Lineker. But John Lineker and Corey Sandhagen are going to battle. This is a very relevant fight for bantamweight. Uh, for some reason, Corey Sandhagen is still unranked, which is kind of bizarre to me. But uh, John Lineker, um, again, a really really good bantamweight. Uh, his recent rec, his UFC record on, he's lost what three times total in the UFC, and only once at bantamweight. That was to T.J. Dillashaw. Uh, Coming, he knocked out Brian Kelleher and Corey Sandhagen is uh, he's i am looking at him pretty 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 heavily because he's done some really impressive stuff he's got a really good feel for kind of movement uh, in the dominant Cruz style he he's a tough guy I mean the the arm bar that Yuri Alcantara had him in in their fight was just horrific and I and he didn't tap and not only did he not tap, he came back and, you know, stopped Yuri in the second round. Uh, he does a lot of really scrambly, heavy grappling offense. Uh, that's where he caught Bati- uh, Mario Batista with the armbar. This is a big step up in competition for him. And I'm I'm struggling here because I think if Sandhagen is able- if Sandhagen's at his best, he can win this fight. But I'm not sure that he's currently at a level that he's going to be able to consistently to, to demonstrate the consistency necessary to deal with John Lineker for three rounds. So I'm picking Lineker here, but this is probably the fight on the card I'm most looking forward to personally. So, Jeff, am I out of my mind in giving Sandhagen, you know, that much credit here?
1: Are you picking so just to make it clear, you're picking Sandhagen? No, I'm picking Lineker.
0: But I, I'm, I'm let me put it like this. I'm not going to be surprised if Sandhagen has found
1: some exploitable I mean, holes. I think this is Lineker's I think this is Lineker's fight to lose. Quite frankly. I think Lineker this is the type of fights Lineker loses, I don't think this is one of them. Because look, for all of his UFC issues, who is who is a uh, lost to in the UFC? So T.J. Gale- T.J.
0: most recently right. uh, Louis Gaudinov, uh, way back in his UFC debut, and that, Ali Bagautinov.
1: That was just under seven years ago, and Ali Now, what do we know about Bagu-Utinov? Doper. Um, TJ Dillashaw, I think we can unequivocally say at this point, Dillashaw was guilty, and this was not a witch hunt by USADA. I think you would agree at this point, correct?
0: Yeah, I don't. No, I don't think they're perpetrating some kind of witch hunting witch hunt against TJ Dillashaw. I think he got not,
1: Well, you were putting it out there that he was like it could have been naturally occurred.
0: I, I was. No, I didn't have. I questioned that. I mean, there were two things that went on with that. Uh, One is, I was curious about whether or not... about the rates of potential false positives for EPO testing generally, because the, the effects of EPO, and this doesn't necessarily mean the chemical effects, but the practical effects of EPO, can be mimicked through purely technological means rather than chemical. And... And I was curious as to how that came out. You know, again, is EPO one of those substances that shouldn't be on the banned list? No. And let me be clear, I'm okay with EPO being banned. I know why it's banned. Fair enough. It's it's okay. I'm okay with that being there. It's, there's other substances that you saw it as banned that I think should not be on that list. EPO is not one of those. I'm okay with it being banned. They tested a previous sample of TJs that also came back positive, and he came out and admitted to it. So, I I mean... I'm not going to get on, I'm not going right, to, well, I'm not anti-USADA Going back to yeah. Lineker,
1: my point is, I, I mean, now, all, all three of Lineker's losses in the UFC were to fighters who had some sort of drug testing issue. So, just saying. Yeah, same, with, uh, same with Cody Garbrandt. And, and many of uh, Michael Bisping's losses so I think Lineker has proven if he's not an elite level he's at least a very high level top 10 contender wouldn't you agree with that
0: he's in the top 10 now and I think that's deserved
1: um probably close to being the top five outside of his weight cutting issues I think officially he's number eight yeah, he's number eight that's right probably, now. That's probably fair, even I mean, I guess you can make the argument even though TJ didn't fail any drug tests for that fight, what if TJ was doping that far back? And they just didn't catch it?
0: Yeah, you how much I mean, how much reasonable paranoia are we going to inject into this? I
1: mean, I mean, I think we I mean, I think it's a valid argument, don't you agree? How is that not and if
0: John Lineker fails a drug test for this fight, how far back has he been doping then?
1: Well, has he ever had a, a drug test failure? I'm
0: not sure, actually. Hang on. might
1: have. He's had like five fights where he's missed weight.
0: No, he's missed weight a lot, but I don't think he's...
1: I mean, adult. look, guys, guys who haven't failed tests could, could be doping on something, and we just don't know. The Dillashaw thing is a good example, because... Before this, Dillashaw never had any sort of hiccups, you know? Um, Lineker is fast, great footwork. I, I think he's a fairly good, fairly good movement, good striking. Uh, I think Corey Sanhagen is a tough fight and a dangerous fight, but I think Lineker is going to edge it out. So It's a tough fight, don't get me wrong. And, I, and Sanhagen has been, hes ever since he came into the USC, he's been looking good. He's, he I, Look, he has three straight, straight finishes. And look, Yuri Al- Alcantara, he's not a world beater, but he is a tough opponent. You can't deny that.
0: Yeah, and Alcantara was, I believe, ranked at the time. I'd have to double check that. that
1: was, in, two, in 2018, he might have. I'm not sure. Is Alcantara still in the UFC? I think so. He might be, but he hasn't fought since that uh, loss to Sanhagen.
0: Yeah. Alright, and kicking off the main card this is another fight that's in an odd spot considering some of the other fighters on this card.
1: And there are a few good honestly, there are a few good fights on this card.
0: Oh, there are. Again, there's this is a solid this is a pretty solid card. Uh Roosevelt Roberts who was most famous for uh, he's from the contender series. He did win his UFC debut, okay. And he beat Daryl Horcher. I mean I'm not trying to crap on Daryl Horcher or anything, but so he's got one win in the UFC, 7-0 and overall, and his opponent is Thomas Gifford, who is and 17-7, and I believe making his UFC debut, uh, unless he fought there earlier. Yeah, this is his first, U- this is his first UFC fight. Uh, the UFC kind of seems to like Roberts. He was one of those guys from the Contender Series that Dana got pretty high on. So I expect him to... We're
1: trying to give him
0: a win. Yeah, they they're matching him up favorably and in fairness to that policy at the moment, he's 7 and 0. Like I don't I'm not calling for him to be thrown into the, you know, the deep no. end necessarily so. It, it makes sense to be a little bit more judicious. No, I agree with guys. when you
1: have a when you have like a prospect who's a little less experienced, you want to you know, you don't want to throw him into the deep end right away. I agree.
0: Uh, that said, I do like Roberts here.
1: They're oh. taking the same approach with uh, Johnny Walker and Walker um, he's a little more experienced, isn't he? Yeah, a little. He's been and, doing fairly and, well.
0: And in a much worse division. Right? But
1: <clears throat> Walker, jo- excuse me. Walker Johnny De Souza, I know how you are about using Brazilian fighters real name. Uh, for uh, the
0: purposes uh, of conversation, Johnny Walker's fine. All
1: right. Well, Johnny Walker. He, they're they're bringing him along slowly, and he's seventeen and three, and he beat Misha Sorkinov. So.
0: Yeah, and yeah, and again, he's in a division that desperately needs that kind of talent. Whereas lightweight, right. if Roberts doesn't pan out, there's eighteen other guys, nine of whom you've never heard of,
1: and are on the regional scene. That right. Can uh, step in. So. Yeah, I'm picking Roberts here. Yeah, I agree. Seems to be a safe pick, but we'll see. All
0: right. As for the prelims, uh, I'm not sure how finalized the bout order here is. Oh then. my
1: God, Arlovski! Yes, man. Uh, we have Ben Benzon. Hey, you know what? I got, we got to give it up for Arlovski because the man's just—he keeps going at it. And persistence okay. counts for a lot. <laughs> uh, you. <laughs> Despite having like, look at this record.
0: Twenty-seven and eighteen.
1: No, but I mean, Justin is in his in his last. How many UFC? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He he's like two. Robert, he he's like two and uh, seven, I think in his in his he's last. Two,
0: he, he's two and seven with one no contest yeah. in his last like Come on. Of fights. Come on. Hey, hey, hey. That's crazy. Walt, Walt Harris only won that fight because he was doping. <laughs> but come on now. Uh, now, your main event at the prelims is Ben Saunders versus, versus uh, Takashi but, Sato. Um, Sato, I believe this I is mean, his look, UFC Arlovsky's debut. He's
1: 40. Should he really still be fighting? Who, Arlov- a lot- yeah.
0: Arlovsky? Uh, I mean,
1: should even he be? He, even at heavyweight. I mean, probably not. But I'm not going to tell. It's again, this is not my decision. But man, it yeah, seems he, suspect.
0: At a minimum, he needs to be planning his exit strategy. And I mean, point. you
1: know how I feel about BJ Penn and the and his last, like pretty much every UFC fight he's had, um, for the last five years even longer than that I think since I guess the John Fitch fight. And that's quite a while.
0: Yeah, I mean everything after the Fitch fight, yeah, I'd agree. Um anyway, Sato, this is his UFC debut. He's done a lot of stuff in Pancrase. Um he's fighting Ben Saunders. Ben Saunders is uh he's pretty close to washed. He's one and four in his last five and it was a win over Jake Ellenberger.
1: Um, he has, I, I think what keeps him around is mainly as fun fights and he does have a, quite a history with the UFC as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, at this point I'm, I am struggling to find a reason to pick Ben Saunders. So I'll pick Sato and I'm prepared to look stupid. Um, Andrei Arlovsky, the aforementioned, will be fighting Augusto Sakai. Let me
1: say this. If Saunders can't beat Sato, he's, he really should probably pack it up and call it a career.
0: At least he shouldn't be in the UFC.
1: At the very least, yeah. Uh,
0: Sakai is 1-0 in the UFC. He defeated Chase Sherman. I don't remember that fight. I covered that fight, and I genuinely don't remember it.
1: I don't think it was a good fight.
0: He's on a three-fight winning streak. Um, so he's 12 one and one. He does have a draw. Uh, I'll lean towards Ar. Oh I, I almost said I'm leaning towards Arlovsky. That's how crappy this fight is. I can't.
1: I can't in good. Conscience. I can't. I
0: can't pick Arlovsky. I just. I literally cannot. And I bring like Arlovski.
1: And I like Arlovsky, But man, come on.
0: I mean, this is the kind of fight that he tends to win under these circumstances. But
1: his last two wins. Those were not good fights, Robert. Those were like, do you re- What I remember that fight with uh, Junior Albini was. I remember it was bowling shoe ugly, to steal a phrase from Jim Ross.
0: It was, and then somehow the fight with Stefan Struve managed to be even less engaging. Right. So I'll go with Sakai, but I'm not gonna. At this point, I'm just. It's heavyweight. I shouldn't be surprised. Pretty much regardless of what happens.
1: Like, like. Arlovsky had that amazing win against Travis Brown, and that was like the peak of his comeback, really.
0: Yeah. All right. We also have Carla Esparza was supposed to fight Jessica Penne. Penne did something to her ankle. I think she's posted photos of it. It swole up pretty badly. Uh, So now she will fight the undefeated Vima. I'm going to butcher this woman's last name. Uh, Jendi Holba. she's from Brazil, so J A N. So yeah, I'm going with Jendi Holba until I hear otherwise. She is 14 and 0. This is her UFC debut. She has she's three and 0 in Invicta.
1: Oh, so it'll be-, be Hill versus uh, Escabel. No way.
0: Sorry, uh, that- no, no. Oh, sorry, my mistake. Penny was supposed to fight Escobar. No, uh, Esparza versus... Uh, I believe this was always Esparza's fight. No, she was oh, supposed okay. to fight Livia Sosa. And she was supposed to fight Livia Hanata Souza, but uh, Souza had to pull out of that fight. Um, I don't know. I, I struggle to pick Esparza at this point, just kind of generally. So I won't. I'll go with uh, Vima, and I'll be wrong if I'm wrong. Um, Gilbert Burns will fight Mike Davis. Uh, nice to see Doreenio. Uh, Gilbert Burns is one of those guys I kind of like watching fight. Uh, Burns is beat. Uh, oh, yeah, he beat Olivier Mercier. Wait,
1: the website is still listing Penny versus Escabel though. I guess that's how they feel about that fight.
0: The UFC is terrible about updating their website. I mean, up until, like, an hour before the event on Saturday, they still listed that uh, Devin Clark versus Ivan Shatirakov after that fight had been canceled. They are terrible about their website. They are just terrible.
1: I mean, the website, to me, is the first thing you should be updating.
0: Hey, but we only make sense. Uh, anyway, Burns is fighting... Wait, I'm like- re-
1: so, so, wait, is it, is it Hill versus Escobar or, or not? It is. No, it's Hill versus okay. Escobar. Okay, I thought it was... Okay.
0: It was supposed to be, I believe... Uh, Escabel versus Penne before Penne got in. Okay, okay. Uh. Anyway, we. I'm have,
1: picking Escabel. Uh,
0: yeah, I would agree with that. Um, anyway, we have yeah, Mike Davis probably going to lose here. This is his UFC debut. He lost to Sodiq Yusuf on the Dana's Contender series. But yeah, it's Gilbert Burns, man. Gilbert Burns is a really, really solid fighter. Uh, Jim Miller will fight Jason Gonzalez. Gonzalez has fought in the UFC before, I want to say. Yeah, a few times. He's one and two. He lost to Drew Dober, beat J.C. Cotra, lost to Gregor Gillespie. Um, you know, this is the kind of fight Jim Miller really needs to win if he wants to kind of stick around because he is one and five in his last four. And now in fairness to Jim Miller those losses are, two in order. Dustin Poirier, Anthony Pettis, Francisco Trinaldo, Dan Hooker, and then Charles Oliveira. So that's some pretty stiff level of opposition. But, again, this is the kind of fight that if he wants to stick around in the UFC, he absolutely has to win. And for sentimental reasons, I'll pick Miller.
1: Again, um, Miller's a sentimental favorite for me. And I am gonna go ahead and pick him for this fight, but people have been cut with with uh, let with more impressive records than this. Indeed. Um. And look, I'm not saying he should be cut, but I mean, at this point, he's lucky he's still on the roster and under and on payroll. All things yeah. considered.
0: I'd agree with just,
1: that. I mean, just for example, Paul Sass, who was, I think, a promising fighter, who got cut after, like, one loss, I think. Something like that. It was in, in a tough fight. So, I mean, you know, because, look, he went he went four in a row, won one fight against Alex White, and then lost in a—and look, lightweight is very tough. It's very competitive, but— he just hasn't been able to put it together recently.
0: No, and again, this is a guy with a lot of years, a lot of miles, a lot of great fights. I mean, Jim Miller's been part of some of my favorite fights to just rewatch because I can. But he's near in the end. And if he loses to Jason Gonzalez, that's kind of like, for me, that would be the final nail in his UFC run, if nothing else.
1: Yeah, so... I feel like he should be fighting for his job with this fight at the very least. Uh, and, I like, and, and I like Jim Miller a lot. You ditto. know, I, I was, I mean, I, I wouldn't, there were multiple times I would not have been opposed to him getting a title shot, but yeah, time has passed.
0: Yeah, again, I agree with you. There was that time. That time was also like six years ago.
1: <laughs> really longer than six years ago, I think. A lot
0: longer. Uh, when was Edgar champion?
1: Um, 2011. He lost the belt in 2012. Robert, to ben so Henry. okay.
0: So seven years. Yeah. I mean, and again, credit to Miller. The man's been in the UFC for like eleven, twelve years. Yep. I mean, he's been there for a long time.
1: And one of the in, in the bloodiest division in MMA.
0: Yeah, and he Look was out. very. He was remarkably consistent.
1: But you want to know what? I would pick him to beat Conor McGregor if they fought tomorrow.
0: I would absolutely, I would absolutely not. <laughs> Just because. I mean, I, I appreciate the sentiment, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, again, I, I appreciate throwing shade at Conor and annoying the cult of Conor, but no, I, 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 think he'd probably sleep. Jim That's Melvin. fine. Man, uh, we have the
1: we Talk have the aff- is still fighting in the UFC court. McGee is still there. Yeah. again,
0: we have the aforementioned Hill and Escobar fight. Uh, then, yeah, we have court McGee and Diego Lima. The, I feel like these two are both fighting for their jobs here. And I like
1: court McGee in fairness. I so thought court he- McGee's coming off a win.
0: Yeah. He beat Alex Garcia. Um, I thought he beat Ben Saunders, quite frankly, in their fight. Uh, I, I did not agree with that decision.
1: McGee's had a couple, I think, iffy decisions in his career. And, and in fairness... I think he... the, Nick Ra- the, the Nick Ring fight, I think. I definitely... Yeah. The one in Canada, I believe he definitely won that fight. Oh, yeah. And in
0: fairness, I thought he lost the Robert Whittaker fight. Because they fought at Welterweight uh, a few years oh. ago. Yeah,
1: fair enough. I mean, again, I, again, I like I That was a, Yeah. And again... Some, that and and Nick and, Ring fight, come on. Oh, no, I, I agree. He should have won that fight. Nick Ring is was horrible in the UFC.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a reason he didn't amount to anything. I, I mean, Court McGee, that was his only... I mean, he had a couple of early wins over guys who shouldn't be in the UFC, like Ricky Fakuda and James Head. Man, even the Fukuda fight, I recall being a little bit iffy, as far as, like, that maybe shouldn't have gone his way. Uh, yeah, he's... So he's fighting Diego Lima who just barely got his first win in the UFC when he beat Chad Laprise. Now, in fairness, that was a pretty sweet knockout. But that was, he broke a three-fight losing streak with that, and he's just three and three in his last six. And again, his over, oh, sorry, that was his second win ever in the UFC. The other being a unanimous decision over Jorge de Oliveira in 2014 where he got a gimme fight, and then I mean, he was knocked out by Eddie Gordon before that, and then after that he was knocked out by Tim Means and Li Jing Leong, and then he comes back and loses to Jesse Taylor. Lost to Yushin Okami in 2018. Uh, I'm going with McGee, but again, I have a, I have a sentimental attachment to court. So. But I feel like the loser of that fight is definitely going away. But uh, if you again like if you look at the amount of canceled or fizzled bouts from this fight card you have Romero versus Costa that fell apart Pene versus Escobar that fell apart Esparza versus Sosa that fell apart Romero versus Sosa that fell apart Alex Oliveira and Jing Leong fell apart uh, that was supposed to because it was supposed to be Oliveira and Jing Leong and Mike Perry stepped in. Uh, Perry was already on the card against Ben Saunders and that fight again Perry is still, uh, Saunders is still on the card obviously but that got switched around. Gilbert Burns was supposed to fight Eric Wisely. Uh, Eric Wisely was just not medically cleared. And again, the aforementioned Souza versus Costa. So this fight card's had some setbacks. But again, I'm kind of looking forward to the card. It's it's got some decent fights on it. It's again the main event's good. Lineker versus Sandhagen's good. Oliveira and Perry's gonna be a violence fest. Uh there's some. And I'm always down for a Jim Miller fight, so I'm not complaining about a whole lot of, as it pertains to this card. I I have some relatively I'm relatively optimistic. I won't say I have high expectations, but I am optimistic about it. And again, that will be Saturday, the twenty seventh, and I will have coverage of that in the MMA Zone of Four One One Mania. So stop by, say hello, always appreciated. Uh, all right, that is it for. Fight previews, let's jump into some news that broke a little bit earlier today. Uh, Darren Till's been arrested in the Canary Islands. Uh, He apparently stole a taxi and destroyed a hotel room, and he's just been arrested. um, Allegedly. Allegedly. This is the report. So... Uh, Was he
1: on vacation? What was he doing?
0: I assume so. I mean... I'm not trying to knock the Canary Islands, but I believe that's more of a vacation or resort destination than
1: did he go on like a did he go on like a Coke bender or something?
0: I'm not sure i mean i I got a kick out of the picture they posted along with this that does he does look a little he, he's smiling he's got the big kind of happy open mouth smile, and his eyes are all you know glossy like all right, you you, <laughs> you chose a photo to imply something, if nothing else uh.
1: Where is this photo? Where can I see this photo? I don't know. I
0: think the, I think the MMA. I think it's on MMA Mania. It might be the one that I saw. Uh, just I, I, I it's the one that I think I saw on Twitter too. So it's just, um, I, I, I go. I can't. Again, this broke earlier today, so I'm not going to. Oh, I see one, it now. I'm not going to pass a lot of judgment here because we don't know the totality of circumstances.
1: It but sounds bad. At the
0: moment it does not sound good. Um That's a pretty precipitous fall for I a guy mean, who was fighting for the belt not too long ago. Maybe
1: Conor McGregor brought him to do this to take some of the heat off him. Eh, there are worse conspiracy theories
0: out there. Other than that one. So I I there's not enough detail to talk too much about this but that's uh <laughs> Not a good look, if nothing else. Uh, let's see, what else did I kind of want to touch on? Um, oh, yeah, I'll move those around. I'll move those around in a little bit. Um, BJ Penn, in some sadder news, the sad f- decline of BJ Penn continues. He's now being accused, and again, these are accusations. Take them with however much salt you deem necessary. Uh, but someone... Is accused, uh, you know, some people local to BJ's area are accusing him of like destroying some fencing in their property and threatening them with a machete. And I mean, man, especially after it came out, uh, what his, again, I don't know the relationship. I don't know if it's wife, ex wife, just romantic partner, whatever. After some of the allegations that were raised in the restraining orders she took out against him.
1: But those are still allegations. He hasn't
0: been—or
1: wait, was the restraining order granted?
0: Uh, Probably. It doesn't take a whole lot to grant a restraining order, necessarily. That doesn't mean that there's criminal proceedings going on relative to the—that does not
1: mean he's been charged
0: with anything relative to those.
1: Pence sounds like he's a troubled individual. I hope he's going to be okay. I agree. I mean, and that's kind of been the story
0: on him for a while. Is and I said this, and again, I've never met BJ Penn under any circumstances. I didn't think he knew he who he was if he wasn't fighting, and sometimes I that, think and,
1: I think it's like that for a lot of these guys. It's and, and yeah, I mean, their that's, uh, identity,
0: and, and that's not an uncommon thing. And that's not just limited to fighting, though. Fighting because of its shorter lifespan. I mean, you look at a lot of people when they change careers. I don't mean jobs. I mean like. I've spent my I've spent the last thirteen, fourteen years of my life as a you know, as a journalist, for example, right. and then hey, my news not only does my newspaper close, but I can't get hired because there's a bunch of out of work journalists. What do I do now? Yeah, you know, th- that's not an uncommon sentiment. That right. said, there's a lot of disturbing stuff kind of surrounding BJ at the moment. That I'm with you. I hope he gets whatever help he
1: needs. Um, I think. It happens to a lot of pro athletes. They kind of burn out after they have to retire. And, you know, for and they're retiring decades before, you know, other people in their own careers are retiring. So it's
0: like, what do they
1: do? What do they do with themselves?
0: Well, and again, you also have to consider just how much is I mean, we talk about, you know, the the lifespan of a professional athlete, say, in the NFL is measured in not years, but seasons. I think the average career in the NFL lasts like a season and a half. I'd have to double check that, so nobody quote me. But it's you do not there's not a lot of longevity in the NFL. But that's something that you've been working for. Your whole life. Pretty much your whole life. I mean, I'll give you a pass when you're literally in diapers, but if you make it to the NFL, you've been playing football since you were five, give or take. Right. And if you get to the UFC... These are guys that have dedicated a significant portion of their lives to the martial arts. You know, you talk about, I mean, Lyoto Machida is an extreme example in that he was practicing karate when he was three. But these are guys that start, you know, wrestling when they're five or six or start jujitsu when they're you know, er, you know, early, early in their life. And this is a cult. You know, so you get to this point and you reti- and you're retiring based on competitive necessity or injuries or you know, what have you and you're not even 50, your life is barely half over, and suddenly everything that you've done up to that point is kind of, I don't want to say irrelevant by any stretch of the imagination, but everything has to shift. And there's a lot of people that really struggle with that. And when you factor in the the physical demands of any sort of sport, much less one with the kind of repetitive... Concussive impact of fighting or football or rugby. You, know, I mean, even sports that don't have that same level of, again, constant concussive impact, like uh, you, know, you know basketball. There's a lot of guys who just really struggle with who they are outside of it, and BJ seems to be at the kind of the worst apex of that in terms of he doesn't. Even if he were a completely healthy individual. He's not quite sure what he is and who he is if he's not fighting. And you factor in the, you know, the head trauma that he's suffered and he's suffered a fair bit of it. And it's kind of and, you know, whatever other personal issues he has, I'm not saying that, again, the allegations of him being a drug addict are true. I will say that wouldn't surprise me if they were true. And it's it's a really it's a potentially very ugly situation. And I do sincerely hope he gets whatever help is necessary.
1: Um, moving on to more positive news, uh, Rick Franklin will be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame in the Pioneers wing this year. Robert, is this, uh, a, a valid, uh, induction, you think? Do you think there's merit for inducting, um, Ace?
0: Uh, yeah, I, I talked about this a little bit last week. Yeah, I have no issue with him going into the Hall of Fame. He had a very... He was a very important figure in some respects. He had a very successful career. He was their champion for a significant period of time. I mean, for a long time. And up until he fought Anderson Silva, the only loss on his record was to Leoto Machida. He was undefeated at middleweight for a long period of time. And then even after that fight, he was very competitive for a while and then he, he closed. But he down did his
1: only have he did only have two title defenses as champion. Excuse me, as champion. Yeah, Sure. But he also had some high profile
0: kind of lucrative fights that took place outside of being, outside of being the champion.
1: Fight with Ken Shamrock. Yeah. The Liddell fight, you know. Well, and
0: he closed out his career being kind of the ultimate company man in terms of, okay, you have a spot on a card that needs to be filled. Slot me in there. Yeah. I'll go to, you know, I'll go to Singapore and fight Kung Lee I'll fight Vanderlei Silva. I'll, I think you know, I'll I fight think whoever. I
1: think Pioneers wing, he deserves to be in there cuz he sort of ushered in the kind of new modern era of the UFC. Kind of Yeah, him, of his, uh, yeah, him and FIFA like era.
0: him and Matt Hughes and Tim Sylvia and Chuck Liddell to a different degree. They all kind of were these bridges between the dark ages and what we have more in the more modern era. And you know and, and, okay he ho-
1: and he did. He did coach Ultimate Fighter when it was an important series, when it was significant. Yeah, season two, right? Yeah, that was uh, the second season. So, um, and I think we can agree. Unlike you know Matt Hughes' personal issues, Franklin's kept his nose clean, and he's been uh, he's been a great ambassador uh, in front of the camera, behind the camera.
0: Well, he's doing some pretty uh, – he's, yeah. he's a VP of something or other for one right now, isn't for,
1: he? Yeah, yeah. He's an executive for one fighting. And uh, he's a good dude. I mean, uh, yeah, he's he was, just a good guy.
0: He was an important ambassador for the sport at a time when a lot of people associated it with
1: – Right. You know, he, was you know, a math, ju- he was a math teacher, you know? Mm-hmm. He was uh, – he's good. He, he, always an – never got into trouble, just always an unassuming kind of gentleman. Um, and here he is fighting in a combat, you know, cage fighting, you know, like what and he, he was kind of the face of like they come in all shapes and sizes and they're not all like they're not all these bloodthirsty brutes. They, they can be these sort of unassuming, just uh, smart, college educated gentlemen, you know, who, who have a passion for martial arts and, dis- and the disciplines of combat. Uh,
0: I mean, you and I were both in the MMA sphere at the time when you know, he, his name was kind of trotted out as the example that, OK, you know, and I mean, MMA versus boxing was a big narrative at the time. And one of the things people would bring up if you were vehemently defending MMA was look at the caliber of people you have in boxing. You have and I I never made this argument because I don't necessarily believe it, but it was made that you've got a lot of people who came from the streets who can't really add, who can't balance their checkbook in boxing, who are being taken advantage of. And then you have Rich Franklin, who's got a master's degree in education and was a, and, you know, taught math at, I think, the high school level, and was just a very uh, – he was that kind of ambassador for the sport about, again
1: you – know, That we needed at the time, you know? Was,
0: you know? was definitely needed at the time. Absolutely was ne- was needed.
1: So yeah, I'm on in that regard. I think it makes sense to put him in there.
0: Yeah, I'm completely okay with it.
1: Uh, let's see a few other fights got announced.
0: Uh, okay, let me start here with the fight announcements. Yeah, go ahead. Um, both uh, both uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov and Dustin Poirier have mentioned a September date for their potential title unification bout. Uh, which yeah,
1: Habib was on. He, that's what he said to ESPN uh, yesterday.
0: Po- Poirier's tweeted about that. He's down for that date. And frankly, after the fight he had with Max, you know, giving him that kind of recuperation time would uh, would make a lot of sense. That is
1: until, that's the placeholder, until UFC makes a new deal with Conor McGregor and the clause of that new deal is an immediate rematch with Habib. You're making it off. Because you know that's what's going to happen ultimately.
0: You know, somebody else floated an idea, and I can't remember where I heard this from. But if Connor doesn't, if the UFC is kind of being a stickler about not giving Connor an immediate rematch with Habib, what if Connor came out and said, I want a rematch with Poirier? Just because, and I I mean that, just because. I mean, Connor did stop him in the first round of their fight. I mean, he could, but I mean, how would that look? It would look like him getting a title shot. And don't get me wrong, interim. I'm not saying it's the real thing, but I mean, Connor does stuff
1: like that. I mean, and and if you're, and here's the other every other week he he was. Challenging like the winner of a main event. He like yep. one week it was Cerrone, the next week it was uh, Anthony Pettis. You know, and I mean, oh yeah, then, no, no, and no then, I, I
0: completely understand. And then the
1: next week he's retiring for the second time from MMA. So I mean, it it's weird. It's Connor's a weird guy. And we're never quite sure what's going to
0: come about with him, and that. Uh,
1: all I'm saying is, if I was Poirier, I would get like a uh, a trustworthy, reliable lawyer on retainer. I would, I would, I are... would absolutely
0: look about getting that in writing. Um, I mean, that said, you know, again, if you're Dustin Poirier and Connor calls you out, Connor's a comparable fight from a you know star power standpoint, maybe yeah. even bigger. And I think Connor's a much better matchup for Dustin than Habib is. So
1: I agree, but um, and I like Dustin. I can't, in good conscience, pick him over Habib.
0: I mean, again, there's a few things he does that I think Khabib has to be mindful of, but I'd... Yeah, I mean... But the, I, think, look, I mean, look, the only guy in that entire division right now that I really have to think about... Again, you say you say Khabib against anyone in that division other than Tony Ferguson, I pick Khabib. And if it's Tony, I
1: might still lean Dustin's, towards Khabib. Duck, Dustin's boxing has... I think he, you would have to agree. His boxing has... Inc- Increased tremendously his boxing oh, yeah. skills, like he he did not his striking was nowhere near that good when he first got into the UFC.
0: Not even I, I, it wasn't that he good. Was always
1: he was more of a grappler. He was more of a grappler cement artist Now yeah. he's a high level. He's a maybe maybe I wouldn't call him elite, but he's a very high level striker now.
0: Yeah, I mean his the you know the the book on Dustin for a long time was he's a he's a brawler grappler, right? and now he's refined elements of his striking. I mean, if you look... Uh, he I
1: looked think very technical against Holloway.
0: For prolonged periods of that fight, yes. I mean, there's still a few times when they both just kind of get crazy, but it's a fight that happens. Right.
1: And that's the area where I could see giving Habib problems, because Habib has... He has gotten hit a few times. Like, didn't Johnson hit him what? a few times in their fight? He, yeah, he got John- tagged a little bit. Johnson hit him once or twice. And that's an area. I mean, now that now that Hul, now that Poirier is has proven he's a threat there, that could be a problem that Habib has to watch out for. But I'm still picking. If the fight happens, I got to go with Habib there. Yeah,
0: I mean, I mean, again, I I pick Habib over anyone in that division. And there's yeah. only like two guys I really have to sit down and analyze and think about. <sighs> But yeah, And at the moment, the only card the UFC has scheduled for September would be 242, which is their, they're going back to Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates, which makes me kind of wonder whether or not that fight would headline that, because, I mean... At
1: least they're not going to Saudi Arabia.
0: I mean, Abu Dhabi's been okay with them um, you know, having the weird start times. Because,
1: look, they have, if not you... had, have they not had a, an Abu Dhabi fight since that, since the Edgar, Penn, and then Silva, Maya fight? Was that the last one?
0: Uh, let me see. Well, no, no, they had um, Nelson okay. versus Noguera in 2014, but that was the last one.
1: Wow. Well, still, that's, that's several over several years.
0: Yeah, it'll be over five years, assuming that fight, assuming that event goes through as currently. It's been a while,
1: and that was considering they had um, they had Abu Dhabi uh, minority ownership in the company.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think they bought them out recently. Yeah, yeah,
1: after the after the WME uh, sale.
0: But yeah, no, that it's been yeah, it's been a number of years since they put something together in that part of the
1: world. I wonder if the, I wonder if uh, the Flash Entertainment investors got more than what they put into the UFC. Who knows? I, well, I'm I... curious, like what they they paid. Like I think a hundred million for their piece, and I wonder, and I wonder what WME IMG gave them to offload. But I'm curious Prob-
0: I would imagine they turned a profit.
1: Yeah, I would. I would assume, since the owners, I think, made out very well from that deal, including including mm-hmm. Dana White as a minority owner
0: oh no 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 I, I actually don't think they got bought out as part of that deal I think they very recently I think they very recently got bought I out. I thought
1: they got bought out with the Wme sale
0: I'd have to double check I know there was some other Middle Eastern investment group that got bought out recently that might have been oh, a
1: okay one. I was thinking of the flash entertainment people
0: it might have been them it might have been someone it might have been a you know uh, some other kind of like Saudi royalty or some other you know okay, there's a so lot here, of money in that part of the world so
1: here we go I have the it said in 2018 Flash Entertainment sold their 10% stake. Okay. Then yeah, the WME.
0: Yeah, then it would have been there was another group. I think I think genuinely from Saudi Arabia. And
1: Okay, so it was it was recent though. So the WME sale was in 2016. The Flash Entertainment sale was 2018. So there was a bit of separation there.
0: Okay. It might have been that it might have been something else. Uh, there again, there there were a few other different groups that had minority uh, ownership stakes in the UFC that they might be just buying out recently to consolidate.
1: I heard, I think Mark Cuban, even he, he had some sort of, I think what I read once or what I re, I recall Dana White once said that Mark Cuban had bought some of their debts, whatever that means. So that I would
0: usually that usually gets you uh you know, uh, some kind of minor equity stake. Yeah. And they've probably bought, they probably bought him out of that by now. So. Right.
1: But this was, when I recall him saying that, that was years and years ago.
0: Yeah. I mean, it okay. probably was. I mean, Mark Cuban got into the MMA business.
1: So here's here's, a, here's a, a couple other things. Um, Molly McCann versus Arian Lipski at UFC in Greenville.
0: Uh, let's see. Greenville, that's ESPN plus 12. Yeah, they announced a few more card fights for that card. Andrea Lee uh, got a fight on that card.
1: Conor McGregor had an exhibition bout at Crumlin oh, and- Boxing Club. Whoop de freaking
0: do! You had a boxing exhibition bout. So
1: <laughs> maybe he'll, maybe he's gonna go. Maybe he's gonna do more boxing. Maybe he'll fight not poly- How mo- 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 how do you say it? Poly mal Malinagi. There you go. I think Artem Lobov is gonna fight Malinagi. Apparently, or, or there's, so he a, says. there's
0: a there's a bare knuckle federation that's looking to make that happen. Oh, um, sh- Look, would I don't Paul,
1: wait. Would Polly, would Paulie Majina, Paulie Malin, Ma, <laughs> I'm sorry. Paul, would Polly Ma, Malin, actually go through with that, Robert? You think? It depends
0: on the money being offered and how verifiable it was.
1: I don't know. I have heard like that bare knuckle stuff is is not like I from what I hear hear like guys still haven't gotten paid for that.
0: Depend. Some of that depends on which federation you're talking about. Some of them, yeah. Um, I don't know. I
1: don't know exactly. No, if if it's if it's bare knuckle, I just find it hard to believe that I'll actually go forward.
0: I mean, Artem Lobov had a bare knuckle fight recently with yeah, uh, Artem Jason Lobov. Rice. I
1: mean, I mean, it makes no sense for Paulie to do that though.
0: Paul, I think Paulie will only do it if the money's right. If he can prove that he gets the money, <laughs> and if he can leverage that into a bigger fight. Like, I think Paulie's thought process is: if I beat up Artem, then I can use that to leverage Connor to fight me. And Connor's a big payday and I mean frankly Paulie probably beats him if we're talking just boxing.
1: You know, looking and looking at this whole thing with Darren Tell, I think the guy was just having some emotional issues. He was probably coked up, probably drunk, went on a bender, wrecked a hotel room and just, you know. Also, he is from Liverpool. So, He's probably He's probably used to doing such things, don't you agree? Come on. I'm not gonna cast horrible
0: aspersions at the entire city of Liverpool off <laughs> the basis off the basis of Darren. Don't get me wrong, there's parts of Liverpool I have no doubt that, you know, every major every major city and major metropolitan area has hooligans. I You're imagine right. Liverpool's no different in that respect, so
1: um. Okay. Do we with... know he wasn't a hooligan before he came into the UFC?
0: Uh, I couldn't tell you one way or the other. I do not have that information. Uh, again, as far as fight announcements, we have a. F- the UFC announced three more events and locations. A couple of these do not
1: have venues yet. Uh, so, one would, here's another fight for Greenville darren Wynn versus marcus Perez
0: another oh yeah fight. Darian Wynn making his UFC debut i'm kind of interested in that uh Darian Wynn's win's very very good wrestler got a very awkward body uh he's he's got some potential i think he trains out of uh aka so i'm seeing him fight in the ufc i'm i'm down he's uh he's someone to pay attention to um, again, we got a few other locations. There's a fight night that will be held in Montevideo, Uruguay on August 10th. At least that's been announced. We, again, no venue at the moment, but the UFC knocking off another country. Because uh, I don't think they've, ever, they've never been to... Uh, I think Have if they you...
1: ever been to Sealand?
0: I don't know. I'm not sure what joke you're making.
1: Principality of Sealand.
0: No, I would assume not.
1: Well, that's one country they still need to go to.
0: I mean, they haven't been to the Vatican either. Uh Uh they, again, they announced the event UFC 242 for Abu Dhabi. Cool.
1: once we're done Google C- principality of Sealand. I will.
0: Uh we also have they announced a Fight Night for Sao Paulo, Brazil in November. Uh there's some kind of expectation that that's going to be Jose Aldo's last fight in the UFC because he, assuming Aldo sticks to his guns, about you know three to, three fights in Brazil in 2019, and the last one will be his last match. That'll fight out his UFC contract. So we have that potential date. That actually does have an arena attached, but uh, so we're still missing a fair amount of you know. July onward is still very open. We have a few more, again, shows and dates for that, but uh, again, not a whole lot of major announcements just yet as far as upcoming fights, but I imagine in the next couple of weeks we'll see a bunch of these get fleshed out. Uh, Okay. Uh, That's everything I had, so anything else that you wanted to touch on, Jeff?
1: I think that about covers it for me for this week.
0: Alrighty then, it's been a couple of weeks, so what would you like to plug?
1: Alright, so Tuesday I will be seeing uh, Avengers Endgame, I can say that now. I will be providing an official review, it will be spoiler free, so you don't have to worry about that. Also, I have been approved uh, to cover all Elite Wrestling's. Double or nothing, so I will be providing some live onset, uh, excuse me, live onset coverage for that. Um, we went viral with a very hot story this past week. Uh, I talked to Tony Maglio of the rap, the reporter who broke uh, the news story about all elite wrestling being in talks with Turner or uh, Turner Sports, Warner Media uh, for a TV deal. And it was uh, floated to us via Tony Maglio that apparently, or so he says, AEW would be paying for TV time, and this news made the internet, um, it didn't break the internet, but it made the internet explode, and, and uh, we got a lot of, we got quite a lot of uh, impressions off of that story, Robert, so I'm very proud of uh, that interview. You can still check that at, uh, out that interview on our YouTube channel, uh, on our iTunes 411 Wrestling Interviews podcast, and um, we have a very another big interview in the works this week uh, with a. Du- All I'll say is this: it's a WWE Hall of Famer. Uh, it's not official yet, so I don't want to jinx it. But I finally, dur-
0: got you. Finally, got Coco Beware. Good for you. <laughs>
1: I don't think... Co- wait, wait, wait. When did Coco Beware get in?
0: Oh, like years ago.
1: The Bird really? That That's kind of the joke. Oh, Coco Beware. Yeah, okay. I was... Okay. okay. Yeah, Coco Beware got in... Um, oh, 2000... Like, 2009. 2009. Yeah, like 10 basically. years ago. Yeah, so 10 years ago. Uh, so, no. It's not Coco Beware. It is a recent WWE Hall of Famer. But it's not official yet. And I'm hoping it will happen this week. So... If it does happen, be on the lookout for that, and it will be all over our website, and our iTunes channel, and our YouTube channel. So, fingers crossed. That's all I'll say. A a recent WWE Hall of Famer. We'll see. And, um... So that, and... Oh, another movie I'll be reviewing is the Tolkien biopic, which I did not like at all. Hmm. I hadn't given much thought to that movie, actually. It's a decent cast... If you're if you're a fan of Tolkien like what annoyed me is that it caters to fans of the Lord of the Rings movies and not like actual uh Tolkien files, I believe.
0: Just cause those who forget that Tolkien did stuff other than Lord of the Rings.
1: Well not just that, I just feel like it's very it's very tacky. Like you see Here's an example of why I didn't like the movie. Like, you see Tolkien in his uh, military service in, uh, in the Great War and all that, and he Which has... Which was
0: hugely important in formulating his worldview and some of the narratives right. that he chose to employ. Right.
1: Correct. But there's, there are a number of scenes in the movie where he has this faithful uh, confidant and companion during the Great War, and guess what his name is? Oh, Isn't I am... His name is Sam. Come on now.
0: Well, if memory serves, forgive me, I'm not up on my Tolkien history. He did, in fact, uh, I mean, the, the story of the four hobbits leaving, for, leaving to destroy the ring is, in many respects, the story of him and his uh, friends who'd left to serve in the war and only one and, of them came back.
1: Um, I think more than one came back.
0: I'd, again, I'd have to double check. Uh, I but, I want to say he was the only oh, I one see, who survived. I
1: see the parallels, but I just like naming one of his like naming one of one of his compatriots in the movie after Sam. I I just found that tacky. It, it felt superficial to me.
0: I I'd have to double check because if I mean if that's the actual name of his friend and he did just name this his friend his the character after a friend that he served with, then you know fair play to them for accuracy. But I I would have to double it, check it that.
1: Felt, but it felt. Like they don't explore this very much. it's a very superficial relationship okay so and that and that's kind of what bothered me about the movie. um it felt eh. but if you're a fan of the Lord of the Rings movie, you might enjoy this, but um uh, so I will be reviewing that film as well. Isn't that still Nicholas Holt? Isn't Nicholas Holt the lead? Yeah, I'm not, and I'm not a big Nicholas Holt person.
0: I, okay. I just, yeah. I'm, I'm about fifty-fifty on him, so I, I'm not a I huge. Still, fan. I'm
1: still, I'm still, I'm still not good with him for his performances. The Beast in the X-Men films. I think he's the worst possible actor that could have gotten to play Henry McCoy. Uh,
0: that is a significant overstatement. Yeah. I'm okay with your criticism in general, but they could
1: absolutely have done worse. I, I do not like how Beast has turned out with Nicholas Holtz playing the character. It is not a good Beast at all. Kel- Kelsey Grammer was a better Beast, basically.
0: Well, Kelsey Grammer also had much less screen time. So he got to just kind of be with there. His, really, really. With,
1: with his less screen time, he was far better than Nicholas Holt. So there you go. That's I, all I. would have. have to double. I'd have to double check the
0: how much of that was the writing too, because again, I your point is, I agree with a lot of your point, but I do wonder how much of that is how they chose to write the character this time around.
1: Well, I mean, if you see, if you see my write up for the Dark Phoenix panel at WonderCon, I did. Okay, so why does Beast? Take his drugs or whatever, and go his non-blue form when he gets to the expansion. That makes no sense. Now, them turning him into a werewolf was just a bad idea. Where, and again, yeah. well, and not I, just werewolf. Like, why you're 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 at an institute with other mutants? Where, okay, maybe around other people, you kind of want to hide who you are. I mean, I'm. I mean, I can kind of understand that just because you know. Maybe there's a safety issue, or you don't. Maybe you're worried about people not understanding. I can kind of understand that, but why are you turning? Why are you turning to look more human when you're when you're going when you're at the X mansion? To me, that's it's disgusting. It, it's uh, he, it's, a, it's a betrayal. It's a betrayal to everything those characters are. I'm sorry. I mean, Beast
0: always hated his form. That was one of his major things, I was he, I, Was he wanted to reverse the way he looked.
1: I understand that, but why would he do it? Why would he be blue out in public, but when he gets back to the X-Mansion, when he's around other mutants, he would, he would not have that form. It makes no sense at all.
0: I, I, I haven't seen any of the, anything if to do with if, this why movie, is so. he
1: worried? Why is he worried about other mutants si- seeing him that way? That doesn't make sense, Robert. I'm sorry. No,
0: I, again, I'd have to see the movie itself to really kind of break to also, break that Mystique, down in any Mystique sort of. Mystique
1: does the exact same thing.
0: Well, in Mystique's case, it's
1: budgetary. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I mean, there's no logistical, there's no logistical reason for that. There's none. Oh you no, mean, it's, you, it's bu- you, you. You can do that, but you have to ex- explain it at least. I mean, it makes no sense.
0: No, uh, I, again, I, I don't disagree with you about that. Okay. Okay. And, so that, and once I actually see that terrible, terrible movie, I will have more formulated but <laughs> perspectives on it.
1: That was my, that was, that was a big, that was a big thing for me when I saw that panel at WonderCon a little while ago, but, uh, but Avengers Endgame. So I wouldn't mind talking to you more about that one. I'm sure we will have a lot to discuss there.
0: In a cup. Co- yeah. In a couple of weeks when it comes out, right. uh, We'll probably, oh, it, comes
1: out, it comes out Friday.
0: Well, it, when we can talk about it then. Oh. Uh, yeah, it does come out Friday. I will be seeing it Thursday. so
1: Makes sense. You kind of want to, you know. For,
0: yeah, late Thursday I'll be seeing it. it.
1: You want to see it at your leisure, which is good.
0: Yeah, my leisure in this instance being 11.45 on a Thursday.
1: Not bad. It's, you know, get in before the crowds. Oh, no.
0: I had to go pretty deep. To find a, th- a show oh, that wasn't sold out.
1: I mean, that's the first showing you could get. That's now that's very that's quite amusing actually. No, oh, no, that wasn't the first.
0: Like the the earliest showing I think is Thursday at like eight here because it's all scaled to all right. Eastern Standard. And yeah, there were like ten showings that were completely sold out. I just I started going down the time, and there was the one at twelve twenty was slightly more open, but I but not enough to where all right, fine. I'll, well, I'll I
1: wouldn't want to go to an 8 a.m. either, so I mean, yeah. Oh, no, 8 p.m. Oh, 8 p.m.
0: Yeah, so, so this was, that was the one I could get to that I felt I could find a decent seat, was the 1140, so.
1: Hey, what if Nicholas Holtz were to play Batman, be the next Batman? What would you think of that?
0: Meh. I mean, that's a giant meh for me. You
1: prefer Army Hammer. Uh, a little, but I little not hugely. Miles Teller.
0: Oh God, no, Miles. <laughs> <Teller>. <laughs> thank you, thank you,
1: thank you for that. But, yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know why. Look, Miles Teller got a. T- I maintain Miles Teller's still a thing just because J.K. Simmons made him look like a made him look great in Whiplash. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know why Miles Teller is still a thing. I yeah. genuinely. I, don't.
1: I won't go that far, but. I'm not a huge Miles Tyler fan, but whatever. Like, everything
0: he's done over the last, like, six years, I've looked at that and went, why are you? Like, why are you
1: here? He He had a couple success stories.
0: I'd have to go through his filmography in more detail. And, look, between Thank You for Your Service and The Four Stick, just no. I'm done. All right. As for myself, you can find me this... Tuesday on Damn You Hollywood. We have a late review this week because nothing of value came out. We'll be reviewing Pet Cemetery, That is myself, Jason Teasley, and Alexis Haina. And that is... Oh, God. That movie. Uh, I was pretty disappointed. So you can hear us talk about that as per usual on Damn You Hollywood. The latest Damn You Hollywood did not feature me because I could not get to see Hellboy before the show, and I blame my car. It broke down. Didn't have it over the weekend. Couldn't get to see it before the appropriate time I on Tuesday. I
1: see the new Hellboy. I just haven't gotten around to doing it yet.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to see, like, maybe if it comes to a dollar theater around here, I'll go see it, but... Uh, in my place is Ronnie Adams, so Ronnie and Mark talked about it. do Dollar
1: theaters still exist?
0: In my neck of the woods, they do.
1: Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm all for it if they do. Oh, the yeah, point. they don't get, like,
0: they never get first-run stuff, but you know, stuff on its last legs as far as the movie theaters go. I'd have to double check if the one that I used to go to is still in business, but yeah, yeah, discount theaters are a thing in my, again, in Utah at the moment they are, so for whatever that's worth. Uh, This Friday will be An interesting episode, uh, this Friday will be the conclusion of my Countdown to Endgame series of podcasts. Myself, Mark Radlich, and Alexis Haina have been together. We've tackled the first two phases of the MCU. You can find those in the archives. We talk about phase one, phase two, the characters, the narratives, some of their interactions. I've been having a lot of fun with it. This week is phase three, and we will all have actually seen Avengers Endgame, and depending on what happens in that movie we might be talking about it from purely a narrative perspective on thursday
1: you should do a series going over the star wars trilogies the star wars eras i hate star wars
0: (laughs) i actually okay hang on serious serious note for those interested in that because i'm not a star wars fan a friend of mine does a podcast has a ongoing podcast called i think it's a more civilized podcast And it's, I think, three or four of them. They have kind of a rotating cast that talk about all things Star Wars. So if you are interested, I'll plug my high school friend there.
1: I'm going to check that out now.
0: Uh, Just don't hold me accountable for the content, okay? I know they do it. If you hate it, fair play, but don't blame me. Uh, We'll be back again this Saturday. I will have coverage of... UFC on ESPN or UFC on ESPN Plus, whatever they decide to go with. That's so weird that's not been made more clear at this point. And next Sunday we'll be back here to review that card. And I believe we'll be previewing Fight Night 151. That'll be 27th, 28th, and that is the fourth. Yes, we will be previewing uh Aya Quinta versus Cowboy. Uh which is, it's a card. I like the main event. I really do. Iaquinta and Cerrone should be a lot of fun. Uh, Cub Swanson and Shane Burgos has some pretty serious violence potential. So there's some stuff there to look forward to. We'll give you a full preview of that next week, Uh, but that's going to be it for us this week. Thank you all very much for listening. Deeply appreciated as always. Share us around if you have friends that are into the sport, please. Need more views. Need more listens. Always appreciated. Uh, Stay safe out there until then, and please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.